Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. I actually recently had a client that she finished writing her book because I was taking care of all of their administrative tasks, you know, so they had time to start writing a book. So that project could actually happen, you know, if there's a lot of therapists, especially therapists who are entrepreneurs, that they go beyond the couch, right? They they have other projects like creating a course, writing a book, becoming a speaker. So now having a VA for those stuff to keep your business running, you have somebody running your business and you're now creating another project that is going to bring you revenue. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, and today we're joined by special guest Betsy Castro from the Mental Health VA. Welcome, Betsy. I'm really glad you're here. Hi. Thank you, Felicia. I'm so, so happy and grateful to be here, actually. Yeah, me too. So I would love for you to begin by just introducing yourself a little bit and talking about your work as a virtual assistant and now as the CEO of an assisting agency and just like how you got into that why you do it, why you enjoy it, so we can just get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, of course. So so like you said, my name is Betsy Castro, and I'm a client experience expert and the CEO of the Mental Health VA. And we are a group of mental health virtual assistants, and we help therapists in private practice through communication services and digital marketing. I majored actually in psychology and business administration. So it's kind of funny how I combine both things to do what I do now. I've always been passionate about mental health. I actually wanted to be a therapist myself, uh, but life really got in the way. Things didn't go, you know, life happens. Uh, But eventually I actually ended up seeing a therapist myself and I realized that I really didn't need to become a therapist. I just needed to go see a therapist (laughs) and start improving my own self. And it opened up my eyes to a lot of things and I definitely improved. Uh, but I still felt passionate about mental health. I actually wish that I had gone into therapy way, way sooner and not have to wait for so long. 
So once I figured that out, I still wanted to somehow be connected to mental health, even if that didn't mean me becoming a therapist. And one way that I found that was really doing what I do best, something that kind of came natural to me, which is being extremely organized. (laughs) And that actually helped me a lot in creating the business that I have today, combining what comes naturally to me in the sense of a skill and what I'm passionate about, which is mental health. And that's how I ended up where I am today. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And I also think that's such a great example for the people who are listening to this show of what it's like to notice what your natural skills are, the things you're good at, and a problem that needs to be solved and how you can create a business to do that. So I'm hearing that you really benefited from therapy and then you were like, okay, I'm also really great at organizing. And I'm also guessing you had this idea of how can I help therapists who are great at doing what they're doing connect with clients, which is a problem a lot of therapists face. They are great at doing their work as therapists. They're very well trained. But when it comes to actually building their businesses and getting clients, converting them, attracting them, they can fall short. And that's so sad because they're great therapists and could be doing really great work with these clients if they could actually get them, right? And so that's kind of where your work as uh, a VA, and you said, use a specific term, it was client excellence. Can you say it again? Yeah, client experience expert. So that experience when somebody, you know, looks for therapy. Great. So I love that term too. And I think that really highlights one of the things that many therapists aren't quite great at. Like we're great at working with the client once they're in the room, but in terms of like the customer service and the experience of the client signing on that sort of buying process, purchasing decision process that the client has to go through, it sounds like that's what you and your team are really great at working with therapists around. Exactly. Yeah. And organizing those things, you know, they, I've heard this a lot from my clients, you know, they don't teach you how to grow a business. And when you go to school for psychology, they teach you all the things you need to know about being a good therapist, but never really how to sell it. You get me never really how to create the business and all of the steps that that goes into it. So yeah, that's definitely the area where we help them. Great. So yeah, I would completely agree with you. That's obviously why I do the work I do too, because yeah, we learn how to be great clinicians, but when it comes to actually running our businesses, there's usually just a massive gap of knowledge. And so, yeah, I love that you're helping to fill that. So when someone's hiring a VA, when a therapist in private practice is out in the world looking for a VA, a lot of the things that I hear is, well, I don't even know what someone would help me with. Like, because so often they are just doing all the work on their own or aren't doing a lot of the things they could be doing to help grow their businesses. So a lot of times when therapists are first considering hiring a VA, they're not even sure what they're hiring for. So could you give us a little bit of a sense of what therapists hire virtual assistants to do in their businesses? Yeah, so I've actually seen a lot of different things. So really when a therapist comes to me, Honestly, they've already done a lot of the groundwork, I guess you could say. They tend to already have a logo, to have a website and all of the stuff. But those simple things are things that you could hire somebody for. Creating the website. I've seen like very beginner stages of when they're starting their own practice that they take so long building their own website because that's a whole thing that you have to learn on how to do. So it could be something as simple as, you know, having somebody create your website, having somebody to create your logo, uh, the branding, all of that beginning stages, I guess you could say, on the business. And that's a great way also to strengthen that muscle of delegating stuff because that's another thing. Usually when they get to me, 
they already figure out a lot of the things that they need to do to have a business running, right? But then they have such a hard time giving those tasks to me. And then they're always like, oh, but by the time I give you my password and my login, I can just go ahead and do it myself. But I'm like, but that's just a one-time thing that you're going to give me your login and password, and then you never have to worry about it again. You get me? So I always recommend to start small. You know, you don't have to hire somebody to be with you Monday to Friday from nine to five. You know, start small, start strengthening that muscle of delegating the work. You know, I know that sometimes um, money could be an issue, especially when you're beginning, but it could be something as simple as hiring an intern that they're also trying to get their, you know, area a little bit, you know, practicing creating a logo or practicing creating a website. So the whole point is to just start delegating, no matter how big or small that is, but start strengthening that muscle, giving tasks away to people. I love that point, Betsy, because I think a lot of times people are intimidated and exactly like what you said, uh, oftentimes we go into it and we're saying, well, why would I give someone this task? It really doesn't take me that long. But to your point, it does take up a lot of time and maybe you're not even doing that thing that you said you would do very consistently because it does take time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you're so right that just learning how to delegate, learning how to build a relationship with another person, clearly express what you want, your expectations, clearly express feedback. These are all skills that a therapist who has the desire to run a six-figure, multi-six-figure practice is going to need to learn how to do at some point. So the sooner you can start, the sooner you start learning those skills and working out the kinks. And I can speak from experience that when I first began working with an assistant, I definitely didn't know how to delegate. I didn't know how to be really clear about what I wanted. I was nervous to give feedback and say if something happened in a way that I didn't really like. And I had to really get over that and figure out how to do that. And it took me several assistants to kind of find the right person for me and to learn how to be a good leader. And so I love this point of just start early. Also, you mentioned the cost associated with having an assistant. A lot of times therapists are nervous to hire an assistant because they think it's going to cost way more money than they can afford. And to your point, uh, it doesn't have to be this kind of zero to 60. You can hire someone for very specific projects for a low cost. You could try working with an assistant for a short period of time and see how that works. So it isn't always the case that as soon as you hire an assistant, you're suddenly spending thousands upon thousands of dollars a month. You can start small. Exactly. Exactly. It's all, and it's all about that strengthening that muscle of delegating. I would love for you to tell me a little bit about how working with a VA will increase a therapist's revenue or client conversion or audience growth. You know, a lot of therapists are nervous to spend money in their business. And I think overall in the mental health industry, one of the ways that therapists tend to approach their businesses and how they think they're going to make money is by spending as little money as possible. And so if they are at a point where they're considering spending money, they often really want to know, okay, well, is this going to actually generate more money in my business? Am I actually going to get more clients? So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about how working with a VA can actually lead to business growth, client conversion, increases in revenue. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I would say that the one thing that is going to bring you the most is definitely time. And you know what they say, time at the end is money. Time is money, right? So when it comes to specifically the service that I offer, that tends to be the most 
the most money that brings you in because it brings you the most time. Uh, because usually, you know, when they hire us is for that discovery call, right? Or that initial consultation in which we schedule either a discovery call or the first appointment right away. Uh, but a lot of the time when people do not have a VA for this specific task, then they spend a lot of time with people that ultimately wasn't going to be a good fit for them. So with us, they only have people in their calendar that ultimately are going to convert or are going to become a client. So they save a lot of time in spending time with the wrong person. And they could use that time to be with an actual client or creating another project. And if we go back to the example of hiring somebody to creating a logo or a website, that's again time that you're going to save, right? Because you're going to, you're not just going to go create a logo. You're going to go and learn how to create a logo to then spend time creating the logo, right? The same with the website. You spend time learning how to create a website to then spend time creating the website, right? So that's where the most revenue comes in, exchanging that time for whatever you want to do with that time, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of times the ROI, it's not as, it's not obviously money, though, of course, it ultimately is. And when a VA steps in to do work in your business, that frees you up to be spending your time in money generating activities, right? Because like you said, as a therapist, going to create a logo or learning how to create a logo isn't a money generating action for you to be taking. It may in some cases be worth it to you to pay someone else to do that so you can be spending more time creating things that will ultimately lead to generating more revenue in your business. And I think a lot of therapists struggle with that, right? They're thinking, well, I have the time to do this, and so I should just do it. And the reality is, in some cases, you're really not the best person to be doing that task because that's not where your skill set lies. And in the long run, you're going to get more return on your investment by actually focusing on the things that are going to generate more revenue in your business. So maybe working with someone like you and your agency allows a therapist to actually spend more time practicing sales, getting better at that, spending time being able to learn how to get more comfortable with money, spending more time thinking through how to raise their fee or generating some marketing material because your company is going to be screening people to make sure they're not wasting time on intake calls with clients that just are not going to be a good fit for their practice. Exactly. I actually recently had a client that she finished writing her book because I was taking care of all of their administrative tasks, you know, so they had time to start writing a book. So that project could actually happen, you know, if there's a lot of therapists, especially therapists who are entrepreneurs, that they go beyond the couch, right? They they have other projects like creating a course, writing a book, becoming a speaker. So now having a VA for those stuff to keep your business running, you have somebody running your business and you're now creating another project that is going to bring you revenue. So that's another fun part, right? You get to be more passionate. You get to have fun in your business because eventually the business becomes monotone, right? And you want to create more. You want to give birth to more things. So that's another thing that we help with, basically creating your dreams in a way. That's such a great point. Yeah. For the entrepreneurial therapist who doesn't want all of their work to be just seeing clients one-on-one, but wants to maybe create a podcast or write a book or start to book these speaking gigs, If they have someone else who is managing the administrative tasks of their business or who is in there involved in the marketing aspects, they'll actually have the time to do this other work. So again, it's not always a return on investment on money in in a super direct way. It's often an improvement in your quality of life. 
And I think the same is true for working with a business coach. You're not always going to see exactly that money back in your business in a certain time frame, but you should, at the very least, be seeing an improvement in your quality of life. You should be having more passion in your work, being more excited about your projects, and ideally also a return on your investment financially. But oftentimes that, that'll take a little bit longer, right, than some of these other returns on investment. So I think that's a really helpful thing for people to hear when they're considering investing in this is to normalize that you may not actually see that exact amount of money in a short time frame coming back into your business, but you should definitely be seeing improvements in your quality of life and getting some of your time back. Would you say that that's fair, Betsy? Oh yeah, most definitely. That's even, I feel, I believe that that's our, our slogan in our company is like, uh, therapists improve the quality of life of people. We improve the quality of life of business for therapists. But in a way, now that I hear it, it's like we're also helping therapists improve their own quality of life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And therapists often, it's interesting, right? Because you would think that we would be really on board with that, right? That, you know, part of our job is to help others improve their quality of life. So you would think that we would apply that same mindset to ourselves, but so often it's it's almost the opposite. We're so busy helping other people that we actually don't really think about how to help ourselves. We don't actually think about how to make our lives easier And in fact, a really big barrier that I see therapists have in hiring virtual assistants is almost a sense of guilt on giving tasks to somebody else that they themselves don't want to do. It's like, well, I don't want to do this. So how could I possibly, quote unquote, make someone else do this, right? Have you ever worked with people who they've hired you to do these tasks, but then they you can sense that they're feeling guilty. Maybe they're having a really hard time turning them over. Maybe they they almost feel like they're being mean to you by having you do the work they're paying you to do. Yeah, I actually have seen that. I've seen that combination of people that feel guilty giving me the tasks that they hate, but actually the tasks that they hate are stuff that I love because I love organizing and creating SOPs and all of that. Uh, but I've also seen clients that they're grateful. Like at the beginning, they're a little bit like guilty, but after some time, they actually feel grateful because, you know, everything gets turned in sooner than they expected. So now they see, oh, if I would have done it, I would have taken so much longer doing it. And now she has it here perfectly even before then I needed it done. So that's definitely like a very good feeling to have when I see that after feeling guilty, then switching to being grateful, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that is the power of working with somebody in your business who has a different set of strengths and skills than you have. That's what it looks like when you hire someone who is really good at what they do. They get it done faster. And I think that's that is the way to make hiring decisions in your business. You actually want to hire people who are better at these tasks that they're doing than you are at doing those same tasks. That's a smart hiring decision. The people who can get it done faster, who can do it better. I think it's really important for the owner of the business to have a really strong understanding of what's happening, right? To mm-hmm. to know the process, to be involved in the process, but you don't necessarily need to be as good at that thing as the other person is. It's important to hire people who are experts. And also, like you said, you enjoy this work. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember here, that just because we don't like doing this task doesn't mean that someone else doesn't enjoy doing this task. And they've clearly gone through the trouble of creating an entire business based on doing this work. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that they like it. And ultimately, it's that other business owner's responsibility to create and craft a business that is working for them. So I think when we're 
doing like these business to business uh, exchanges, we're hiring other people. We also need to trust that they've set up a set up a business that they enjoy running. And when you hire them, you're not somehow harming them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. And I would also say having the same culture in the sense of being involved in mental health, being passionate. I hire people, you know, to help my clients, right? So one important thing for me is sharing that culture, you know, understanding mental health. Uh, I wouldn't say it's appropriate to ask, have you ever been in therapy? But when I hire people, I kind of tend to see and ask questions to see if they bring it up. Because if they have, then that means that they share the same culture. They understand what mental health is and they're going to do a great job because they understand what you are doing as a therapist and they value you as a professional. So they take that, they go the extra mile basically to help you and, and make sure that you're happy with the work that we do. I think that's a great point. That's a perfect point because when we're looking at people to hire into our businesses, you could go hire an assistant. There are so many assistants all over the country and also all over the world. And many people do hire assistants that are outside of the country. But when you're looking for somebody that you really want to work closely with you in your business, you really want them to understand it, it can be so helpful for there to be this additional similarity that they work with mental health professionals. I can't tell you how many therapists I've spoken to who have said they've worked with coaches in the past, but they've worked with business coaches who didn't have a background in therapy and didn't understand our industry. And there was really, I mean, even if they did really good work, there was at a certain point a disconnection because that person didn't really get it. They didn't get this particular field. Uh, I also am going to have someone on the show who is an accountant and specifically works with mental health care practitioners and does their accounting because he knows that type of business, that type of business model. Uh, there are people who do brand design for mental health professionals, right? Mm -hmm. All these different people who have these special skill sets, but then apply them and niche to working with mental health professionals. And that means that they know our industry really, really well and are passionate about it often. Like, Christy Plantinga, who runs Therapy SEO, part of the reason why she works with therapists is because she's a huge fan of therapy and got mm -hmm. a lot out of being in therapy herself. And I'm thinking about also the owner of uh, Wellnessfy, similar story, got a lot out of being in therapy. And so it's really cool to see all these different experts and professionals, people who are so good at their jobs, being like, I choose therapists to help because Lord knows we need it, right? <laughs> yes, I love Christy too, by the way. <laughs> And it's funny because Christy and I now, we tend to have back and forth clients uh, because we are in the same thing. We are passionate about it. So we tend to recommend clients to one another. And, and that's the thing, you know, because we know how passionate we are about mental health. We keep each other in, in connection because that's how you create business too, you know, having people in your circle that are passionate about the same things as you. Right. And I know, and same with Christy and I too. It's really funny. I think there's this whole web of us who are all working with the same people. And I think with that, there's a sense of trust, right? Like you, if you're going to recommend one of your clients to someone who does SEO, it's of course you're going to recommend Christy, right? Because mm -hmm. you have this trust that she really understands the client and you just know that she's going to take good care of them. Right. And that, that goes so far. So Anyway, that's our like riff on like how cool it is that we have all of these amazing professionals who are choosing to work with therapists. Um, yeah, so I love that so much. You mentioned earlier 
SOPs and working with a team. Not everyone knows what an SOP is uh, or why they're really important for businesses. And I wonder if you could spend some time just describing what that is and why that's important for therapy practices and how your team helps therapists create effective SOPs. Yeah, definitely. So uh, SOPs is standard operating procedures. Uh, and this is something that any business has, every single business has this and they need it in order to automate a lot of the things in their business. In order for your business to grow, you need systems that in the case you're not available and you're not there, somebody's there that can easily follow the steps to keep your business running. Otherwise, if you get sick or if you have some time off, forget about it. Your business is done and you don't want that. You know, you want your business to be able to keep moving forward whenever you go on vacation, whenever you go uh, you're simply sick or when you simply need, you know, you need a day off for your own mental health. You need to have those systems. So, again, when people get to me, they tend to have a lot of this stuff kind of figured out because they've had they've been in business for quite some time. Um, but the way that I helped in is that sometimes their systems aren't perfect. They have enough for me to understand what's going on but not enough to be like, okay, like this is an easy process. So what I do is that we make it easier for them. You know, we make their SOPs, make it smoother, uh, make it more cohesive and make it easy for somebody else to come in and just take on the reins. So the systems that we tend to create the most are related to answering services and email management because we want to personalize when we can, but not everything. You don't want to write down an email each and every single time, you know, so we tend to create templates for them and different aspects that it's easy to to personalize. I would say 80% it's standard and then the other 20% it's personalization, right? So that's what we do. We kind of like whatever the therapist already has, we, I guess you could say we exercise it or 10x it, you know, we just improve what they tend to already have. Yeah. So this is one of those things that I think a lot of therapists <laughs> can be resistant to if they've never done it before, because they're like, well, I just do this naturally. And like you said, the problem with not having these things clearly defined or written down anywhere is that if you, for any reason, aren't able to show up for it, then there's no plan in place for how to how to handle client calls, how to book people. I went through this once with a one-on-one -on -one client where well, I've done this with several clients, but with this person, we really broke down what are the things that happen between someone first reaching out to your therapy practice and them being in that first session. What are all of the things that need to happen down to the emails, uh, the booking, setting up the client paperwork, and who specifically is responsible for each one of those tasks and how do we standardize it? What are these emails? Can we create templates? And then how are we going to personalize them here and there? And it was a pretty involved process to create all of that because she had to think through what she was already doing. And for her, it was like, you know, so natural. She she never really thought about she, what she was doing before. But this time she had to really think through what's what's happening. What kind of experience do I want the client to have throughout that whole process? How do we handle things when we've responded to a client after they made an initial contact, but it's been a few days and we haven't heard from them? What's our protocol? Do we send them another email? Do we call them? What does that contact actually say or do? So all of these things are therapists that are things that therapists are doing very naturally, but they don't actually have any of it written down. Mm -hmm. And they may be rewriting the same email over and over and over again. And it's honestly just a waste of time. So you guys come in and you help 
streamline these processes, make the unconscious conscious, put it on pieces of paper and yes. allow other people to take on some of those roles and responsibilities. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we do. We basically, everything that they had, we write it down because a lot of the time they have it in their brain, but nowhere else. And we do, I tend to do a combination of written SOPs and also recording the SOPs. Because then when you start onboarding more team members, you know, not everybody learns the same way. Some people rather read it. Some people rather see it. So I tend to have those options because another thing is I also help, especially for group practice, I eventually start helping them hiring clinicians and onboarding a clinician to your group practice. That in itself is another process that we go through. And you don't want to explain everything and do the training, everything all over again. So we have a recording actually today with one of my clients, she just onboarded a new clinician and she was telling me, oh, can you please train her how to do it? And I was just like, we can just send them this link. We can send them this link for that. And she's like, oh my gosh, you are so organized. I love it. (laughs) But it's those things that you don't think about it, but they continue happening and it happened. And if you wanted to grow, you're going to continue hiring more clinicians. So you want something that you don't have to stop everything that you're doing because you're hiring somebody else. You can just send them the link with all the instructions and they, they take the reins and they do the rest, you know? Absolutely. And I think this, again, does so much for your quality of life. This is what we're talking about. It is not fun to have to do this over and over and over again. And many therapists do. And they might be feeling cranky or overworked. And this can actually start to feel like a really big barrier to growth. If you are a therapist and your practice has been growing, but nothing is really streamlined, there aren't really any systems in place, you could be in a position where you could be taking on more clients or you could be growing into a group practice or you could be creating coaching offers or writing a book. But just the idea of taking on that project as cool as it may sound, as exciting as it may sound, can actually make you feel really overwhelmed and then you don't even do it, right? Mm -hmm. And you may not realize that part of why you're not taking action is because you're just feeling so disorganized and overwhelmed when it comes to the systems and the administration in your business. And so like you were saying earlier with that client who hired you and was able to write a book, like that's what is potentially hanging in the balance. Like the course you want to create, the group practice you want to create, the book you want to write, the podcast you want to start. Like all of these things are possibilities if you have these streamlined processes. And even if you don't have any like really big goals like that, why not? give yourself the gift of having a practice that feels really organized and contained and clear. Like, ah, it feels so good when your practice goes from being this kind of like chaotic jumbled mess to knowing exactly what needs to happen when a client calls and who's doing what. Absolutely. It's, it just makes everything flow. Everything flows so easily when, when you have those systems in place. So Betsy, if a therapist is in the market for hiring an assistant, How should they go about hiring the right assistant for them? Because I know that there are any number of tasks an assistant can do, right? And some assistants are simply going to do the tasks that you give them. Some, like what you offer, are going to be creating SOPs. Some people can even add in some strategy. Some people have graphic design backgrounds and are going to do that. There's a whole world of what assistants can do. And so what are your tips on therapists hiring the right type of assistant for them and the right person for them? Yeah, definitely. So I can go a little bit more on that. So I actually have a blog on this. I'm going to share this with you afterwards. This is eight different steps, basically, in my blog. 
they are in a particular order, but right now I'm not going to tell them a particular order. <laughs> we won't um, hold you to it and we'll make sure to link to that blog in the show notes so that people can check it out because that sounds like a fantastic resource. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for that. Basically, the first thing is you want to do a time study, right? You want to see where your time is going. So I recommend doing at least at least two weeks. If you can do longer, great, but at least two weeks doing a time study. You can use, you know, there's different platforms that you can use, such as Toggle, or you can just go old school, which is the way that I prefer, to be honest, is printing out like a timesheet and every half hour, just write down what happened in the last half hour. And, and I know that it's a little bit annoying. But you need this. You need this so that you know where your time is going. After you do that time study, then just look at what activities are activities that you enjoy doing, uh, which activities you don't like doing, but they have to get done. Otherwise, you don't have a business. Um, And what are things that even though you don't really enjoy, you kind of feel like you still it still needs to be you or it has to be you, such as actually giving the therapy. And having those therapy notes done, right? <laughs> so that too. Once you do that, again, look look at uh, what the things that you don't like doing. And that's where you want to focus. From the things that you don't like doing, see what you can start delegating to people. And that'll give you an idea of, you know, what kind of person you need to hire, who you need to hire, right? Because you want to you wanna get rid of the stuff that you, you really don't want to do, right? And then write down all the things you would do. If you had um, if you had that time, right, if you didn't have to do those things, that means that you have time, then write down the things that you have to do. Uh, after that, really do think about your culture, what's important to you, such as integrity, trust. You know, for us, it's a lot of that flexibility, being able to work remotely. Um, so that would be the next thing. Then finally, job, write a job description, um, put what it's a requirement, be specific on what needs to be done. And time yourself, you know, you already have a timeline. So you already you have an idea of how long it takes you to complete those tasks. So if you hire somebody, they should be taking the same amount of time, if not less. Um, If you do see that they are taking a long time, then maybe you need to look at your systems. Maybe that's something that needs a little bit of work. And then finally, you know, start interviewing. I always recommend ask for referrals and actually call the referrals. Uh, make sure that the people that they're writing down are are saying, are vouching for that people. And finally, do the three-month trial. You know, uh, once you hire somebody, give them at least three months to get to know your business, uh, do the training and all of that. If after three months it's not working out, then it's time to reconsider. Uh, but always give the time and, you know, always look at your systems because that determines, you know, whether it's it needs improvement or if you definitely just need to find another hire. Uh, and finally, once your assistant has the reins, go back to that list of all the things you wanted to do and you wish you could have done. Because something that I have seen sometimes is that they start micromanaging and that's not why you hire an assistant. <laughs> you know, It's so that you can go and do the other activities that you wish you could do if you had the time to do. Oh, damn. Feeling called out. I can feel the therapists <laughs> listening to this being like, oh, no, right? You're so right. That's the whole point of being able to delegate these tasks, not to go micromanage somebody, but to actually get to enjoy your life more. And I think, you know, this, our businesses are our babies. And I'm sure the same is true for you, right? It can be so hard to like hand the reins over to somebody else and really trust them to do these things. And I do think when you are working with an assistant, there is a fine line between 
like just letting someone do their thing and also giving feedback to have the systems change a little bit. Sometimes there are typos in my content that goes out. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's my assistant. Sometimes there are things that are different than how I would have done it or something gets missed. And that is going to happen from time to time. It definitely shouldn't be happening a lot, right? Um, But people are people and things are going to happen. And I think sometimes I've heard people respond to mistakes assistants have made or differences in how they've done things like, oh, why did I even do this? This clearly isn't, you know, working for me. And I mean, though that's a valid response, like that's okay that you feel that way. I don't think that acting from that place of frustration or anger is very helpful. I think that's usually an indication that, okay, it looks like expectations need to be reestablished. Some direction needs to be given. And also you need to, this isn't time to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Sometimes therapists are like, oh, I shouldn't have even done this in the first place. And the reality is like, well, you're still getting a lot of your time back. And maybe I think a lot of therapists will hire assistants to help with marketing. And when the marketing isn't perfect, they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done this in the first place. It's like, well, were you doing any marketing before? Because if the answer to that is no, then I think this is still better, right? Exactly. Yeah. And how frustrated were you when you were creating that marketing too? Because that's another thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is a normal part of a learning process for you and your team member. To your point, it is going to take some time. You know, if you're working with an assistant for the very first time, or you're working with a new assistant, there is going to be a process that you have to go through as the business owner to learn how to convey all the things that you've just been doing on your own that you haven't been talking about, you haven't been communicating. And a lot of things that seem really obvious to you that the other person has no idea about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I say, you know, sometimes you have to go back to your system. Sometimes it's, sometimes it is the virtual assistant's fault. Sometimes it isn't, right? That's why one, it's important to go back. If you see your assistant is having issues, it's important to go back to the systems that you have to see if they need an improvement. And then, of course, have a deadline in the sense that if they, by three months, which is that's the normal, I would say, amount of time to for somebody to kind of get the reins of how things are done. But if after those three months, you know, they're still making the same mistake and the same errors keep happening, then yes, it's time to find somebody else. Which, like I said, if you have the systems in place, if you take the time to interview, to call the referrals, All of that minimizes the chance of hiring the wrong VA, right? Uh, But, you know, even that sometimes fails. So that's why it's important to give the the three-month gap of giving them the time to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another great point. Interview a VA. Interview a few different people. Mm -hmm. I recommend when people are looking for a therapist, especially for the first time, that they actually meet with a few different therapists. Same for therapists who are looking for supervisors. Meet with a few different supervisors because I think, or really when you're hiring anyone, whether that's a podcast mm-hmm. editor or an accountant or somebody who's going to be um, yeah, doing anything in your business, interview a few different people who you could consider for that role because in isolation, meeting with one person you're going to learn some things, but you don't really have anything else to compare it to. And I I recently, when I started this podcast, interviewed a few different podcast editors. And after the very first one, I was like, oh, this person sounds great. And if I had just stopped there, I would have hired that person, but I still had two other people to interview. And in the end, I ended up choosing to go with somebody else because she presented something that I didn't, wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't even thinking about it. But when I heard her talk about it, I was like, oh, yes, I do want to work with you. 
And so the context of getting to speak to a few different people can be so helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. It takes you time to get to know that person to see if you share the same culture. Or like you said, something that you didn't even thought about now is like something that you want and need in your business, you know? Exactly. And also the referrals. I, from personal experience, I have made the mistake of not calling the referrals. <laughs> so also, if I would suggest requesting referrals and actually calling those referrals to see what they say. That is a great idea. I have gotten some assistance. I've gotten assistance through like very different ways. My first assistant was a referral, but that really was not a good fit. I was very confused actually, because it was like, <laughs> seemed like very different work was happening in this for the person who referred them to me was happening in that business than what was happening in mine. And I was like, I don't know what got lost in translation here, but this is not a good fit. Uh, another person I found through Instagram, uh, someone else I found through a referral, they were working with a friend of mine and that ended up being a great match. And we worked together for a year. And then the person I found most recently, I actually wrote a job description, posted it in a Facebook group, and this person responded to it. So I've come across assistance in very different ways with each person, um, and I've learned so much from each one. Yeah, the same. It's even with my own assistants, there's stuff that they do so much better than me, and it's even a service that I offer to, to my clients because I know that I have a team that they can do so much better than what I do. So yeah, it's good to have somebody that, that knows more than you in certain areas. You know, hire good people that do what you can't do. Yeah, exactly. So we've been talking this whole time about virtual assistants, and it should be probably pretty obvious by now what exactly we mean by that. But could you just say a little bit about like what a virtual assistant is? Yeah, so a virtual assistant, it, she's an independent contractor. Usually they have their own business like I do, or they work through another agency. Uh, but they basically, they work remotely. You do not have to worry about paying taxes, providing a place to work or healthcare or pay time off. And a lot of the times they are trained to a specific niche, such as myself and my team that were specifically trained to work with mental health providers. Uh, when it comes to, I guess, an in-person, the main difference is one is, of course, you tend they're in person, they work at your office, you do have to provide a place to work. Uh, most of the time you do have to pay for paid time off and it tends to be hourly. Well, some BAs tend to be hourly. They also tend to be retainers in my package, but um that will be the main difference there. You do save a lot more money with the virtual assistant and they're usually more willing to work because believe it or not, people tend to work better when they can work from wherever they want rather than being stuck at an office from nine to five. Right. So I would say that they are much happier independent contractors that work. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really helpful distinction. I think a lot of people can get sort of thrown off by the virtual part of virtual assistant. They're like, what, what about it makes it virtual? It's like, it literally just means that they're not beside you in your office. <laughs> like they are also working from home or from whatever their office is. Um, other than that, they're just doing work as an assistant, but this typically means that they're doing tasks that can happen online, right? They're not doing, if you have a therapy office, they're not going to be doing anything that has to do with your physical office location. They're going to be doing all of their tasks online. And I think at this point, especially as so many therapists have moved solely to doing online work, there really isn't much of a need for somebody to be in the same physical location as you. One thing that I think is helpful for therapists to consider is time zone. That's something that if you really want somebody to be able to be doing work in your business during certain hours, you should consider 
the time zone. So some therapists will hire people in other countries to try to save money, but then that person isn't going to be available at the times when they actually need to be interfacing with that person. And so they think they're saving money, but actually it's causing these other problems. Mm -hmm. And even though the West Coast and East Coast are only three hours apart, sometimes that does make a difference. So I would say like when you're looking for a person, um, if that's like a really important thing for you that you already know you need someone who's going to be available during certain hours, then make sure that's something you're looking for. Oh yeah, most definitely. That, that actually, now that you mentioned it, that's that I mentioned that in my blog. I forgot to mention that earlier. <laughs> really consider the time zone. Um, we only work on Eastern Standard, at least as, as of right now, because lately I've been getting a lot of people from California. So I'm, I'm considering now having a different time zone for my VAs. Uh, but that's definitely something to consider. You know, if if it's a task that maybe it's design, it doesn't matter if it's a spe- your specific time zone, then that's okay. But if somebody that needs to answer phone calls from nine to five in your time zone for your clientele, then it's very important that they work during your time zone as well. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so amazing. You've given us so many tips and I've been so grateful to have you on the podcast to talk about all of this. If people want to learn more about you and your work or how to work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so they can visit my Instagram at the Mental Health VA, uh, also my website, thementalhealthva.com. And you can also have, email me at hello at thementalhealthva.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today to The Bad Therapist Show. It was incredible to have Betsy on, and she is offering anyone who signs up for her three-month package a 10% discount if you say The Bad Therapist sent you. So head over to her website, drop my name, and get your 10% off your first three months with The Mental Health VA. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.